I want you to look with me in the Gospel of Luke tonight, chapter 22. And I want to read, beginning, if you want to stand, go ahead. Y'all stand here. And uh, so uh, if you want to just stand for just a minute, let me begin reading with verse 31. And I'd like to read down through verse number 34. All right? The Gospel of Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Peter, Simon, said back to the Lord, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, the Lord said back to Peter, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. I'm interested in verse number 31, that phrase there, where the Lord called him, Simon, Simon. And I want to preach on that thought tonight. Let's pray. Father, bless your word. Speak to our hearts tonight, I pray. And to God have something for us. Lord, we need you. Lord, everybody in this room has some kind of a need in their life, whether they're conscious or unconscious of it. But I'm so glad you have exactly what we all need. So would you help us tonight? God, would you speak to us from this text, I pray, and bless this meeting in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You might be, you may be seated. I have been preaching recently in our church through what I have called the double calls of God that are found throughout the Bible. And what I mean by that, places where God called a person's name back to back without any interruption, He called their name twice. Now I think all of us in this room will agree that when God calls your name once, Man, that's enough to garner all of your attention. When God says something to us one time, that's enough for you and I to set up and to listen. I remember I'm a product of the 60s and the 70s. I was born in 1962. And uh, some of my first memories then are the late 60s, the early 70s. But one of the things that my daddy got interested in, because he was somewhat of a truck driver, he got interested in that that era when they had the CB radios. You may remember that back in the 70s. And one of the things that they used to say all the time is this, do you have your ears on? Do y'all remember that? And I think what they were saying is, are you listening? And boy, I want to tell you, when the Lord speaks to us one time, I think we ought to have our ears on. I hope you come into this service tonight and, boy, you got your ears on. More importantly, I trust that you turned your heart on when you walked into this building tonight. Because when God speaks once, that's just enough to drop everything and focus our full attention upon Him. But when He calls our name twice... But that means we better give special heed to what he says. You know, these double calls, they're found throughout the Bible. The first one is Abraham, Abraham. Remember that on top of Mount Moriah? And Abraham's got the dagger back, and boy, he's ready to plunge it into the heart of his son Isaac. And I can just see him, the tears are coursing down his cheeks. He's he's shaking, he's sweating profusely. He's getting ready to sacrifice his son. When God said, Abraham... Abraham. Well, aren't you glad God knows where we're at? 
Aren't you glad that God is involved in our lives? Well, I'm glad tonight that I can preach unto you a God that's not been disconnected from the humanity that He's created. I'm glad God's not just sitting up in heaven as some kind of a distant deity who's wrapped Himself in the atmosphere and no longer wants anything to do with us. I'm glad He's involved. I'm glad He cares. I'm glad He's interested. And He said, Abraham, Abraham. It longed till God said to Jacob, Jacob's on his way down to Egypt to see his boy, Joseph, that he hadn't seen 17 years. And he's on his way down into Egypt. And Jacob stops the caravan. I mean, they're packed up, loaded up like the clampets on the hillbillies. I mean, they've got the rocking chairs. They're going to Egypt. He can't wait to get there, but he dare not go without God's permission. And he stopped everything and built an altar. And God said, Jacob, Jacob. Fear not to go down into the land of Egypt. It longed till we run across Moses on top of holy ground. And he's on top of the mountain. The bush is burning. And God said, Moses, Moses. It longed till we run into a little boy, ten-year-old boy by the name of Samuel. And he's, he's, he's thinking Eli's calling him. Because when he lays down, God's been saying, Samuel, Aren't you glad God can speak to little, little people? That's why we run buses all over Kingdom Come in our area. We run buses into five different counties because we love children. You know why God loves children. And aren't you glad God can speak to children? And God can help people. And God can help those little children in the situations that are Samuel, Samuel. And then we come into the New Testament. We find God double calling a woman. That's right. Martha... Martha. Boy, she's, she's, she's furious. She's, uh, she's been in the kitchen while Mary's been in the living room. She's standing there. She's got flour all over her. She's up to her elbows in soap suds, washing dishes. She's boiling potatoes, cooking macaroni. She's, she's wet with sweat. She's beat with heat. She's stuck in the muck. And boy, she goes in there and she kind of chides with the Lord a little bit and says, why don't you bid my sister to come in here and help me? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. And he called her away and he said, Mary hath chosen that needful thing. Boy, I thank God for workers. But can I tell you something? Before we ever work, we better spend some time at the feet of Jesus. I know work comes before worship in the dictionary. But worship ought to come before work in the the average life of the child of God. Martha, what about that Saul, Saul? Why persecutest thou me? What about Jesus when he was hanging on the cross? And he said, my God, my, what about that? God double calling God. Unbelievable. My God, my God. But then tonight in our text, we read of the Lord saying, Simon, Simon. And I just want to talk a little bit about this tonight. If I could, what I want to do really is just give you a little Bible study. From this text tonight about this double call of God to a man by the name of Simon. Now, so we're all on the same page, and I know you know this, but just let me say this in case there's somebody that don't know this. Simon and Peter are the same people. Sometimes he's called Simon Peter. Sometimes he's called Simon. Sometimes he's called Peter. But it's the same person. So if I get to going in the service tonight, and sometimes I call him Simon, and sometimes I call him Peter, please understand, I'm talking about the same person. 
So tonight, if you'll join me in this text as we move through the service tonight, I want to say that there's three things that we find from this double call of God. As we look at this text tonight, it has a frightening truth for us. It has an enlightening truth for us. And it has a brightening truth for us. I'm talking about something that's going to scare us. I'm talking about something that's going to enlighten us and teach us. And I'm talking about something that's going to encourage us tonight. But we need encouraging in these days, don't we? And as we look at this text tonight, please stay with me. Let me just say three things about it. First of all, look at verse number 31. And I wrote this down. Simon, Simon. Here's the first thing I want to say. Don't underestimate your foe. Don't underestimate your foe. Look at verse 31. Here's what he said. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, uh, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Simon, don't you dare underestimate your foe. You know, when you and I got saved by the grace of God, we gained the greatest friend that we'll ever have. In the person of the Lord Jesus. One of our songs in the Red Book says something to the effect, There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Hey, aren't you glad He'll be with you through the ups and the downs? He'll be with you in the ins and the offs. In the ins and the outs. He'll be with you in the owns and the offs. He'll be with you through the thicks and the thin. And when everybody else walks out, thank God Jesus as a friend will come walking in. He's a friend that'll never leave us. He's a friend that'll never forsake us. We may forsake Him. We may leave Him. But thank God He'll never leave us. When you got saved, you gained the greatest friend you'll ever have in this walk of life. But write it down big, write it down plain. You also gain the greatest foe you'll ever have in your life as well. Somebody wants to find a Christian as this. When you become a Christian, now listen, it said, they said this, when you become a Christian, the, uh, the, 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 the war is over, the victory is won, and the battle begins. Because when you and I got saved by the grace of God, we made peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we're at peace with God, understand this, we're at war with the devil. When God declares peace with us, the devil declares war on us. We're in a battle tonight, folks. I mean, listen to this. Understand this. Up for grabs in this battle is your joy as a child of God. Up for grabs in this battle is the happiness of your home. Up for grabs in this battle is the welfare of your children. Up for grabs in this battle is the security of your home. Up for grabs in this Bible is your testimony and your influence in this community. Up for grabs in this battle that we're fighting tonight is the testimony of our church. We are involved in a spiritual warfare tonight. That's right. And the war that you and I are involved in is just as sure, just as real as the war going on in Afghanistan tonight. It is a battle, but it's not a physical war. It's a spiritual war. We don't battle. We don't fight against uh, flesh and blood. But our battle is against spiritual principles and principalities and spiritual powers that dwell in the air. And the sad thing about this war is that most Christians don't even realize that they're in a war. 
That's right. Most of God's soldiers are asleep back in the barracks when they ought to be on the battlefield. That's the reason why so many Christians are losing the battle with the devil day by day. Let me tell you why. Because they're not showing up for the war. And the sad thing about it is many of God's Christians don't even realize there is a war that is going on. I heard about this old boy that was pulled over by a police officer one night and he was driving under the influence of alcohol and the way the police officer first spotted him was he turned the wrong way down a one-way street. Well, the officer walks up to the car and the guy rolls the window down. You can the smell of alcohol just comes rolling out of that car. And the officer looked at him and when he pulled him over, he said, Sir, didn't you know that you were going the wrong way down a one-way street? And the guy under the influence of alcohol said, No, sir, I sure didn't. The officer said, Didn't you see the arrows? And the guy said, Arrows? I didn't even see the Indians. And that's the way a lot of God's people are with this spiritual warfare that we're in tonight. To be saved is to have an adversary. And the words that Jesus said to Simon, listen, put your name there. Cause say it like this, Tim, Tim, Satan hath desired to have you. Brother Toby, Brother Toby, Satan hath desired to have you. Sister Mary, Sister Mary, Satan hath desired to have you. Whatever your name is tonight, put it right there in that text and understand this one thing ladies and gentlemen the devil desires to have you tonight now of course being saved we understand that there's not one thing he can do to keep us from going to heaven boy aren't you glad that we're heaven bound with the hammer down Aren't you glad because of the blood of Jesus now that we're on this side of Calvary? Aren't you glad that we'll never have to worry about dying and going to hell? Aren't you glad the Bible said there's no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, to them that are in Christ Jesus? Aren't you glad that John said, 1 John 2, 25, this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. And Titus said in Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie hath promised before the world began. Aren't you glad God said, I'm going to give the gift of eternal life. And then aren't you glad he said, I can't lie. I'll never take it back. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight and on your way to heaven? Boy, I am. But it doesn't change the fact that Satan desires to have me. You know, we're heading in that time of year. I just heard on my way over here when I was leaving out Monday, I had the radio on. Y'all forgive me. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. Pray for me. But I was listening, and they came on in our part of the state. They're getting ready to have one of those uh, those uh, tornado drills. Because we're heading into that time of the year, you know, when we have those summertime storms that come up. And we hear this oftentimes. A tornado watch. Or we hear something like this. A severe thunderstorm watch. But then sometimes we hear this. A tornado warning. Or a severe thunderstorm warning. What's the difference between a watch and a warning? Well, a watch is telling us that conditions are right, that this could happen. So just, just, just to be mindful of the fact that there's a watch, there's going to be a severe thunderstorm watch, and chances are conditions may develop that it may turn this thing into a monster. Just, just, just watch for that. But buddy, when they say warning, it's no longer conditions are right for that. A warning means they've done spotted one. 
That's the reason when they say there's a tornado warning for Knox County, that means we better run for the ditches, brother. That means we better get in the basement. We better crawl in the bathtub. You know why? Somewhere they've saw a tornado. Understand this tonight. This sermon is not a watch. I'm not just telling you the conditions are right for the devil to come after you. I'm here to tell you he's been spotted in Knox County. He's been spotted wherever you're from. And ladies and gentlemen, understand this man. This is a warning. The devil is out because he desires to have you tonight. Yes, sir. Don't underestimate your foe. Listen, Jesus said, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you. Let me tell you something about this. The sifting process. Satan desires to, uh, to shake us. He desires to shake our faith and to leave us with nothing but worldliness. Jesus desires to shake our worldliness and leave us with nothing but faith. Amen. But Satan hath desired to have you. The devil wants to disorient you. He wants to disable you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to defeat you. He wants to distract you. He wants to distress you. He wants to divide you. He wants to disturb you. And he wants to disgrace you. And can I say this? He sure did it to old Simon. I mean, when you read that phrase, Satan that desired to have you, by the time this chapter is over, this old boy, this disciple that said this, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, is cussing and standing with the devil's crowd. Don't you underestimate your foe. Satan hath desired to have everybody in this room tonight. I want you to look in this text. Stay with me. But look over toward, kind of toward the end of this text. And I'll show you briefly tonight from this text three things the devil desired for Simon Peter. And these are the same three things the devil desires for you. First of all, look if you will, number one, I put this down. He desires to have us to become weary. To become weary. Look in this text. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible said in verse 41, Jesus withdraws Himself from them about a stone's cast. He's deeper inside the Garden of Gethsemane. Calvary's just hours away. Judas has already left the upper room. The Roman soldiers are gathering together. It's just a matter of a few hours. Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's in the Garden praying. And He asks Peter, James, and John. He says, hey, y'all watch with me. And y'all pray with with me. And so he goes about a stone's cast away. And the Bible said in verse number 45 that when he came back to them, when he came back to Simon, the Bible said he found them sleeping. Can I tell you something? Satan wants you to go to sleep tonight. Satan wants you to lose spiritual consciousness. Satan wants you to, to, to become weary tonight. He wants you to become so weary that you give up fighting the good fight of faith. By the way, if you stay right with God, it won't happen accidentally. It won't happen coincidentally. It'll have to happen on purpose. Because living in the world that you and I are living in tonight, I'm here to tell you, there's traps, booby traps, there's IED, explosive devices, everywhere in this world. And if you and I are going to stay on praying ground, if we're going to stay right with God, it's going to take a concerted effort to stay awake and stay right with God. It's amazing to me what all happened in our Bible when people went to sleep. I mean, Samson went to sleep and Delilah gave him a haircut he'd never got over. Adam went to sleep and woke up and guess what? 
God took from him the parts for the first PA system. I'm kidding. Adam went to sleep and woke up and there was Eve. The Bible said that the the sowers went out and sowed the good seed, but while they slept, an enemy slept in and sowed tares among the wheat. The Bible tells us that there were ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. And the one thing that they all had in common was that while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and they slept. Eutychus fell out of the third loft in Acts chapter 20 and fell down dead. Listen, the easy way to remember his name is this. Eutychus too if you'd have fell out of that third loft. People in the Bible, man, things happen in the Bible when people went to sleep. That's why when you go to the hospital, they do surgery on you. They put you to sleep. They can take out whatever they want to take out. And you'll never know anything about it until you wake up. They take your tithe out over there. You won't even know anything about it until you wake up. Sleep. The devil wants us to be go, go to sleep. And by the way, can I tell you something? What's wrong with the Church of America tonight is we're sleeping. And while we're asleep, we've got things like homosexual activists. You know why they're called activists? Because they're active. We sit in our nicely, uh, our, our, our stained glass churches and our comfortable pews. Man, we want to bury our heads in the sand like a bunch of ostriches while this world is going to hell in a handbasket and immorality seeping up through the pores of the earth. It's time for God's people to wake up again. He wants us to become weary. Stop fighting the good fight of faith. He wants you to become weary and give your bus route up. He wants you to become weary and give your Sunday school class up. He wants you to become weary and give your Wednesday nights up. He wants you to become weary and give your Bible reading up. He wants you to become weary and give your praying up. He wants you to become weary and give your living right up. He desires to have us to become weary. Number two, look again in this text. He desires to have us to begin wondering. Look, if you will, over the same, same chapter. The Bible said, Then they took him, they took Jesus, and they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter, read these last three words with me, followed. Hey, he followed, all right. Jesus, I'm going to go with you to death. He followed, but it was afar off. He, he allowed distance between him and the Savior. Remember those days when there was no distance between you and the Savior? Remember when you used to be close to Jesus? Remember when you could feel His presence? And remember when you could just talk to Him and it was like He was just standing there listening? But then over a period of time, first thing you know happens, we begin to allow distance. We begin wandering and we allow distance between us and the Savior. He wants us to become weary. Watch this now. He wants us to begin wandering. And then number three, He wants us to to behave worldly. What happened in our text? Look again. The Bible said, verse 57, verse 56, 57, 58. The Bible said this little maid approaches Peter and said, Hey, you're one of His. I know you. I mean, your speech, it betrayeth you. You talk like Him. I think, if I'm not mistaken, she said, I've seen you with him before. You're one of his. All right, Peter, here's your chance, big boy. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Let them know whose side you're on now. I don't know him. I don't know him. No, 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 no. I think I saw you with him. Lady, blankety, blank, 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 beep. I don't know the guy. Can you believe it? 
by the time the devil was done with him, he didn't even resemble a child of God. I said all that to say this, Simon, Simon, don't underestimate your foe. It is a sad mistake for you and I to make to think that we're a match for Satan. You and I are no match for him whatsoever. Don't you underestimate your foe. Number two, watch again in this text. Not only don't Simon, Simon, don't underestimate your foe, but Simon, Simon, listen now, don't overestimate your flesh. You see, Jesus tells him, look again in our text, hey, I just want to tell you, man, it's going to be tough. Satan's going to shake you. He wants to shake your faith and leave nothing but worldliness. And before you know it, old Simon's over there cussing and and, and denying that he even knows the Lord. But notice what Simon said to all that. Look again at verse 33. And he said, Lord, said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you. Why? Both in the prison and the death. You know what old Simon Peter did? He overestimated his flesh. Can I give you a good definition of what a Christian is? Listen, see if you don't agree with this. A Christian is somebody that's got a saved soul living in an unsaved body. Because we got the flesh. And when you and I got saved, our flesh wasn't eradicated, at least not yet. Now there's going to come a day, 1 John 3, 2, when we see Him, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Hey, I'm looking forward to that, but until then, guess what? I got the flesh. Don't you wish we could flush the flesh? Don't you wish we could get rid of the, don't you wish we could get rid of the flesh? Hey, I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Not only are we no match for our foe, we're no match for our flesh. Over to Galatians 5. See if these verses don't sound like your life. The Bible said, this I say then, Galatians 5, 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now listen, that's the first sentence. Here's the next one. For the flesh lusteth or warreth against the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, lusteth and warreth against the flesh. And you and I are faced with the choice every day. Are we going to follow the flesh or are we going to follow the Spirit? Can I tell you something? We're no match for our flesh. Somebody said it like this. We have an, an, a, a, we have a, uh, an external foe. That's the world. We have an infernal foe. That's the devil. But we also have an internal foe. That's the flesh. And I, in that same Galatians chapter, it talks about the works of the flesh, which are these. And you remember all those terrible things that said there? And then right below it, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, temperance, meek. I mean, man, we got to make a choice every day of our life. Are we going to follow the flesh or are we going to follow the Spirit? Don't underestimate. Don't put confidence in your flesh. Can I tell you something? If we're anything tonight, it's by the grace of God. Can I tell you something? Listen, I mean this with all my heart. But were it not for the grace of God, 
I could be somewhere messed up in sin tonight. Hey, were it not for the grace of God, I could have been married four or five times. Were it not for the grace of God, I could be hooked on drugs tonight. Were it not for the grace of God, I could be hooked on alcohol. Were it not for the grace of God, I could be neck deep in pornography. Were it not for the grace of God, I could be up to my eyeballs in, in gambling and all terrible sorts of things. You know why I'm not? If I'm anything tonight, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Listen, let me show you something if I can here just real quick. I, would it, it's not, it's not going to make you mad if I stand in this chair, is it, my brother? Can I show you all something? Now, right now, I am not the tallest person in this room. I'm 6'8". <laughs> Shut up. No, I'm kidding. I'm not the tallest person in here. There are a lot of you people in here taller than I am. Some of you ladies are taller than I am. I heard about this little boy. Said uh, he, he was talking with this other little boy, and he said, uh, "He said I bet my daddy can whoop your daddy." He said, "I bet he can too." He said, "My mama can whoop my daddy." So I, I'm, I'm not even as tall as some of you ladies in here tonight. But can I can I say something? If I stand in this chair, I can now make the boast. I'm the tallest person in here. Woo! Look at me. Look how tall I am. What would y'all say? I'm probably. I don't know, maybe up here. Would y'all say maybe I'm about 6'8", or maybe 6'10", up here? And I could just stand up here and say, everybody, ain't nobody in here tall as I am. Woo! Look at me. Want me to sign your Bible? Tallest man in here tonight. But if I'm going to brag on being tall, I better brag on the chair that I'm standing in. Because if I am the tallest man in here, it's not because I did it on my own. It's because I'm standing in the chair. And I just want to say tonight, if you're anything... If you, if you've not messed up your life, if you've not gone out in sin, if you're not up to your neck in pornography, if you're on your first marriage and trying to do your best, or your second and trying to do your best, and if you're clean tonight and you don't have any terrible thing going on in your life, hey, can we just brag on Jesus? Because if it was up to our flesh, we'd all be in a mess tonight. Don't you, don't you overestimate your flesh. One of the things I never say is, I'll never do that. Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll be with you all the way. I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to jail. Don't matter. Count on me, Jesus. I'll be there. And now he's over there standing there. You blankety blank blank. Beep! I don't even know the guy. Put confidence in his flesh. Can I tell you this? I'm going to get off of this. Samson was the strongest man physically in the Bible. I mean, he's socking up phone, he's socking up gates, gates of the city and carrying them around. He's taking a jawbone of a dead donkey and whooped a thousand Philistines with it. I mean, he's the strongest man. He caught 300 foxes. Now, Bubba, you think you somebody. You try to go out here and catch 300 foxes. And then tie their tails together and set them on fire. I'm telling you, he was the strongest man physically in the Bible. David, strongest man spiritually in the Bible. A man after God's own heart. A man that walked with God. David, spiritually strong. Solomon, strongest man mentally in the Bible. 
Solomon had it here, man. I like that story about the two babies and the, the two prostitutes, the two harlots, and without any DNA testing available whatsoever. I mean, he pegged the problem. Hey, bring me a sword. Let's divide. One woman said, yeah, go ahead and kill it. And the other said, no, no, let her have it. And that man in his wisdom discerned whose baby it was. You know why? He was the strongest man mentally in the Bible. But can I tell you something? All three of them messed up. Samson messed up. David messed up. Solomon messed up. And if they can do it, so can I. So can That's why we better stay in church. Hey, that's why we better stay on the altar. That's why we better try to live right. That's why we better be careful what we look at. That's why we better be careful what we listen to. That's why we better be careful where we go. That's why we better be careful, as I preached last night, on who we associate with. Because if they can do it, I can do it. Don't you overestimate your flesh. Then I'm done. Watch this. This is my favorite part. So don't underestimate your foe. Don't overestimate your flesh. But then number three, watch this now. Don't misestimate your father. Now, what would you say about Peter in this text? Stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this. What would you say about Peter in this text at the end of the chapter? We like him at the first. Lord, you count on me. This other crowd, they may walk off. They may leave you. But Lord, don't you worry about it. I'm going with you. If it means we get locked up, so be it. If it means I have to die, right on. I don't care. I'm going with you. That's the start of the chapter. Satan picks that old boy up, gives him a good shake, and it long till he's over there. I don't even know the guy. I don't even know him. You blankety blank. Beep! I don't even know the guy. Now what would you say about Peter as we look at him at the end of this chapter? Here's what I'd say about him. Man, he's done, ain't he? <laughs> I tell you what, the Lord done cut the lights out and shut the door. He's through. They ain't no way after what he's done, God's got a place for that boy. God's through with him. God's done with him. Stick a fork in him, put him in the freezer, turn the lights out, it's over. Simon Peter is done. Don't that what you'd say about it? I mean, that's what I'd say about it. He's through. There's, God never used that boy again. But don't you ever mis- misestimate your father. Aren't you glad that God can take wet wood and start a fire with it? He did in Elijah's day. They soaked that. What, how many barrels was that? Was it 12 barrels? They soaked that wood down. God. <laughs> Aren't you glad God can, God can take wet wood and start a fire with it? Aren't you glad God can take a crooked stick and hit a straight lick with it? We from the country. Aren't you glad that God can take somebody that's messed up? I mean, failed God miserably, and you and I would write him off. You and I would say, he'll never preach again. You and I would say, give me your ordination papers back, boy. I don't want anything to do with somebody like you. You and I would say, get out of here. Let's excommunicate. Cut him out of the church. Let's church a guy. Let's take his class away from him. Get his bus route. He's done. He'll never preach and teach. He'll never run another bus route. He's through after what he's done. But aren't you so glad... Aren't you so thankful that our God is a God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth? Hey, had not God been a God of a second chance, I wouldn't be standing up here tonight and you wouldn't be sitting there listening to me either. 
Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we serve a God that will give you another chance? Aren't you thankful we'll serve a God in compassion that won't cut the lights out, that won't close the door, that's not done. But even though we mess up, and I'm not making excuses for that because we all do, and I'm not saying it's right, but aren't you glad we serve a God that when we mess up, He's a God that will reach out to us again. Amen. Boy, if He hadn't have been, we'd all be in a mess. I'm reminded after Jesus resurrected from the dead. Now remember, He's been dead for 72 hours. He's been dead for three days. Can't you see old Simon sitting over there with them disciples? Can't you see it? Them boys are over there. They're all huddled up together. and Man, probably crying, saying, boy, we, we sure did love Him. We sure did love Jesus. We put all of our eggs in His basket. Our hope was all in Him. And can't you see Simon sitting over here by himself thinking, man, what a failure. Man, how wretched. I had my chance to stand up and I blew it. He'll never want anything to do with me again. But then remember early that Easter morning, those ladies were on their way to the tomb when they, an angel, they meet an angel. <laughs> you remember the story? And they meet that angel, and that angel says to them, say, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. Behold the place where the Lord lay. He's risen. He's risen indeed, they said. And then they tell those ladies, you go tell his disciples. But I thank God for these next two words. You go tell His disciples. Check it out. Mark 16, about verse 10. You go tell His disciples and Peter. What about that? I mean, He just mentioned all of them others in a group. But He said, hey, you be sure. You don't, don't, whatever you do, tell all of them that I want to see them. I'm going before them into Galilee. But you be sure. You be sure to tell old Peter. That I especially want to see him. Aren't you glad? It's unbelievable. You know what I'd have said? Go tell my disciples. But you tell that stinking Peter, I don't never want to see him again. Cuss me like that. Won't stand up. Tell me one minute he's with me. Next minute. I'd have been done with him. And, and you would have too. But not our God. Don't you misestimate our Father. He's always full of forgiveness. He's always full of mercy. I, I, I remember I heard this story. Can I tell it to you? And I don't, I don't want you to be mad at me when I tell you this story. But if you are, if you'll come up to me after church and apologize, I forgive you. Alright? Well, let's just make an agreement right here. Just between us. But I heard about, listen now, I heard about this blonde convention that was going on up in New York City. And before y'all get mad at me, I used to have blonde hair before it turned gray. Okay, so I'm 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 I kind of got the the I understand it, but they had this big blonde convention, so thousands of them had gathered there in this big convention hall. And somebody looked over, they started talking among themselves. Now, how in the world can we prove that we're not the airheads that everybody thinks we are? And uh, one of them spoke up and said, "Well, I will tell you what, let's do. Let's just go out there on the street and just find somebody, and ask them to come in over here, and let's just let them ask." Three questions. And we'll answer all three questions right. And that'll prove to the world that blondes are not airheads. Oh, they said, man, that is a great idea. Let's do it. So they walk out on the street and 
find a man and say, hey, would you, we're having a convention. Would you come here for just a minute? And the guy agrees to do that. He gets in there and they say, we're having this blonde convention. We're here to prove once and for all that blondes are not airheads. So, sir, if you will pick you out any blonde in this room that you want to and ask them any three questions you want to ask, and we're going to prove to you that blondes are not airheads. He said, okay. Good. He said, well, she'll do. She walked up there. He said, ma'am, he said, uh, what is the uh, first month of the year? She said, November. All those other blondes said, give her another chance. Give her another chance. He said, okay, okay, okay. He said, uh, ma'am, what is the capital of the United States of America? She said, Paris. All those other blondes said, give her another chance. Give her another chance. He said, okay, okay, okay. He said, ma'am, he said, uh, what's one plus one? She said, two. All those blondes said, give her another chance. Give her another chance. Hey, I told you that story to tell you this. Aren't you glad that God will always give us another chance? Give us another chance. And when we're done with that, give us another chance. I'm glad He don't write us off. I'm glad He don't cut the lights out on us. I'm glad He don't shut the door on us. I'm glad He don't say and write finish on us. I'm glad even though we fell and thank God, He'll say, hey, go tell everybody and Tim and Brother Toby and Brother Mark and Sister Mary. Go tell them, I want to see them. Because he's always the God of a second chance. Well, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we serve a God like that? Peter may have forsook him, but Jesus would never forsake Peter. Jesus may have, uh, oh Peter, he may have, he may have, uh, he may have failed the Lord, but the Lord will never fail Peter. And I said that, say this, and we're done. Ha ha. I did it. Look at me. I'm speaking to somebody in this room tonight, and boy, the devil's really been taking it to you lately. And just to be honest with you, he's whooped the fire out of you lately. You ever eat, never had a good whooping until the devil whoops you. Boy, you think, man, I'm kind of making some progress, turn right around. Man, you done done something. You think, how in the world can somebody be saved, do something like that? Maybe I'm speaking to somebody right here in this room, but well, the devil's took it to you. But I just want to tell you tonight, if you'll hit this altar, confess it to God, you'll find a God that's reaching out to you. And will simply say to you, as he said to Peter, I forgive you. By the way, one of the next pictures we have of Peter after the John 21 experience, there by the Sea of Tiberias, the next picture we got of this old boy is preached on the day of Pentecost. Cussing preacher. A cussing preacher is the one that God picked to preach on the day of Pentecost. He was calling preachers from the floor and he said, I think Peter, you'll do today. And he called Peter from the floor to preach and 3,000 folks got saved and baptized. And then he preached again the next day on Solomon's porch. 5,000 men walked down the aisle in the first verse of uh, Just as I am without one plea, not count the women and the children. He preached two days. 8,000 people got saved. Don't you ever mis- misestimate what your Father can do with you. Amen.